Good morning. The Old Testament reading is from Judges 6, verses 7 through 16. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Johash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midians. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midians, leaving none alive. Here ends the lesson. Please be seated. How many of you recognize that scene? I love it. One of the best lines from a very quotable movie, Caddyshack, a classic. Hey, you scratched my anchor. Well, you're going to be seeing a bit of the anchor today especially, but that's kind of our, the symbol throughout this series that we are starting. And I'm going to talk more about that. But first, a little survey. How many of you have been on a boat this summer? Could be a big boat, little boat, rowboat, paddle boat, fishing boat. Yeah, it's a great time uh, to be on that. How many of you have ever been on a boat and used or used an anchor or been on a boat when they used an anchor? Yeah, most likely, right? Uh, I mean, if you find a good fishing spot, you're in a rowboat or a canoe sometimes, it's great to just kind of throw out an anchor and stay in that same kind of radius there, hopefully. Uh, the, the anchors, anchors in quotes that, that we've used when I've been fishing are basically a, a brick or a, a large stone with, with a rope around it, nothing too fancy. But, but uh, ships will have really, they'll have different kinds of anchors depending on the situation. Sometimes an anchor is used to keep you in one spot and so you don't drift, so you stay wherever it is that you want to be at. Other times, and other kinds of anchors are made in a way to provide stability to a ship during rough 
weather, during rough seas, when the wind is blowing, when the waves are crashing, and it can help provide that stability as that anchor kind of drags uh, behind and provides that balance, a little more balance for that ship. Today we start a four-part series, as Pastor Tim mentioned, uh, up front in the service called, uh, called Hope at All Times. And we'll look at hope, specifically our Christian hope, our trust in God. How can the hope that we have in God and it would, in what God is able to do, how can that help us at all times? At all times. And we we want to stress that in all times, in all situations, we can trust in God. There is hope. And so today, we're going to take an in-depth look at hope in times of despair. But next week, we'll talk about hope in times of uncertainty. And the following week, we'll talk about hope in times of disconnection. Disconnection from others, times when we may feel Lonely or on our own, disconnected from family, friends, others. And the last week we'll talk about hope in times of loss. We th- might think of loss, loss of a loved one, loss of somebody that we care about. And that can be the case. Or it can be lo- loss can happen in other ways. Maybe loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of something that you could do before that you can't anymore. And so we're going we're gonna to delve into each one of those. But today we're going to talk about hope in times of despair. The earlier fo- early followers of Christ wanted to, to feel like they weren't on their own, wanted to connect with other followers of Christ, but there was persecution that they often suffered. And so in order to identify themselves to others and to recognize in others of followers of Christ, they made regular use of symbols that would represent that they were a follower of Christ. And so one of those symbols that we see as we look at ancient uh, Christianity is the Cairo, that X with the thing that looks kind of like a P, Cairo, the, the le- Greek letters, Chi and Rho, which are the first two letters of Christo, Christos, which is Christ. And so that was one way that they could recognize that they were followers of the Christ. Another way is through the ichthus, and you've probably uh, seen this, maybe you even have one on your, the back of your car, a fish. The fish symbol is, uh, has kind of risen in popularity over the last uh, decade, two decades, uh, in identifying yourself as a Christian. Ichthus is a Greek word for fish, but it's also an acronym, and in Greek it means Jesus the Christ God's Son, Savior. And so that was another way that Christians could identify themselves with one another. Another symbol that has kind of been lost over the centuries, over the millennia really, but was regularly identified with Christianity and with Christian hope in particular is that of the anchor. And here we can see, hopefully, you can see that on the right you have just, just an anchor. And there in the middle you have the anchor with the two fish. Again, the, both kind of a symbol for Christianity and for Christian hope. And there on the left you have the anchor with the fish um, connected to that anchor as we think of Jesus calling us to be fishers of men. 
and how that, that kind of ties in all those different symbolisms into that. Jesus and his disciples lived in uh, an environment, in a culture that was largely dependent upon the fishing industry around the Sea of Galilee. And so it's no surprise that Jesus would use uh, the imagery of fishing and of fish, of nets, of, uh, of in the anchors, and, and anything that would be tied to the fishing industry would be used somehow to represent something within the Christian faith. In the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 19, it reads, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Just as an anchor provides stability through rough waters for a ship, so our hope in God offers refuge and strength during the storms of life. Sometimes our circumstances can become overwhelming can't they? I mean, we all go through those seasons when, when things can overwhelm us and, and we, we tend to kind of fall into despair sometimes. This was the case for Gideon and the Israelites from our uh, reading that we just had a few moments ago. They were trying to establish themselves in this land that God uh, had opened for them. And they were trying to grow crops. They were trying to raise livestock. But it says there in Judges 6-5 that the Midianites would come through and it likens them to swarms of locusts. If you've ever seen images of, of locusts, when they come in these swarms, they'll just destroy everything that is there, to destroy the crops, to destroy the livestock. And so this is what the Midianites were like for the, the Israelites. And so the Israelites were hiding out. They were up in the mountains and in crevices and caves and hiding out for fear of the Midianites and for the destruction that they would experience because of the Midianites. And here we have enter into our story. A young man named Gideon. Gideon was threshing wheat. Not an unusual activity, but he was doing it in an unusual place. Normally, one would thresh wheat in an open area, maybe on top of a hill even, so that the chaff would blow away. But here we see Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press because of fear of the Midianites. As he's doing that, an angel of the Lord, a messenger of the Lord appears to him and says something very peculiar. He says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now you got the imagery, right, of this scene? Gideon is hidden away, threshing wheat, not out in the open, but in a wine press for fear of the Midianites. And a messenger of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's got to be like looking around. You're kidding me, right? Me? 
Me, a mighty warrior? The Lord is with me? Gideon uses the opportunity to raise a question in response to that statement. Lord, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Excuse me, my Lord, he says. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Why, why are we suffering so? If the Lord is with us, as you say, and, and if, if God has done these mighty things in the past for us, why are we suffering as we are right now? That's the big question, isn't it? If God is really with us, if he really loves us, why are the things happening in my life that are happening? Why am I experiencing this? Why do I see a, a loved one hurting? Why do I see the things in the world that are happening? If God is really there, why are we going through this? It's a legitimate question. One spoken from a place of feeling overwhelmed, and forgotten, and in despair. Tragically, it seems more and more people are feeling this way in our day and in our culture. I mean, I just looked at some statistics from 1999 to 2016. The suicide rate increased 30%, especially among young people, younger, younger people. We also know that, that mental illness and and depression within that mental illness is, is also um, being identified more and more. And so this is being talked about more and more, which is actually a good thing. Because it's when we kind of push it off to the side, we try to ignore it, that it really becomes more problematic. and becomes a greater issue than it needs to be. But when we lift it up, when we talk about it, when we recognize it, when we name it, then we can face it and deal with it better. Just want to make a few comments about um, mental illness, about depression, about suicidal thoughts, about these things that many of us, have, probably at one point or another, have either dealt with ourselves or we have had a loved one, a family member, a friend, a good friend uh, facing something like that. So I want to make some observations just from a pastoral perspective. First, mental illness, depression can happen anywhere. It happens across the board, irregardless of socioeconomic status, irregardless of family situation, sometimes irregardless of, of environment. There are some very loving families and people and, and good situations that I have seen where, where still someone within that, that family suffers because of depression, mental illness. And so it, it's not necessarily a cause of or a reflection upon your family unit or upon you. It, it happens across the board in a variety of situations. 
Just as the causes for mental illness are varied and complex. Yes, sometimes they are uh, because of, of, of a family dynamic or because of something going on at work or because of a relationship or because of bullying uh, is such a big one or other things. But the causes of mental illness, the causes of depression, of suicidal thoughts can be varied and complex. And just as the, the causes are varied and complex, so too must the solutions in the addressing of that be varied and complex as well. Professional therapy, medication, um, turning to faith, turning to others, all of these things are helpful and good, but none of them on their own is as, as effective as a combination of these things to address mental illness and depression. And the support of loved ones and family is so key um, within that. And so I want to talk about that too. Those loved ones who, if you are, have cared for ever or are caring for someone or worried about someone, a friend or a family member who suffers because of mental illness or depression, who has maybe suicidal thoughts or tendencies, that can be so weighing upon your mind, upon your emotions. It's exhausting. And so you need help and support too for you so that you can be a support and a strength for that loved one. And so I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're a person who is supporting someone who deals with and struggles with a mental illness, depression, um, to, to make sure you have a support unit as well. Lean into friends, good friends. Lean into your faith community. Lean into professional help as well. So that you can have a strong base from which you have that strength to support that will re rejuvenate you. Another thing is you are not alone. Whether you are the one going through this or whether you are the one supporting someone, you are not alone. There are others who have traveled this path before, who have dealt with maybe not exactly the same, but similar struggles. There, there is a, a, a strength and a support that is there when we tell others about what we are facing and about what others are dealing with. We don't have to broadcast it out there for lots of people to know, but, but make sure you have some key support people in your life who know what you are going through, what you are dealing with. And if you are struggling, if you are facing uh, deep sadness, depression, if you are facing thoughts of harming yourself, tell somebody and share that with somebody that you can love and trust. When you do that, it's, it's like there's this burden that can be lifted from you and that burden can be shared with others. And finally, there is hope. There is always hope. And, and this is something I want to make sure we get across to you today and that we get across to you throughout this series that whatever, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, whatever you're dealing with and facing, there is always hope. 
We know that. We believe that. We trust that. Not because of our strength, not because of our circumstances, but because of God and what God is able to do. I mean, you don't have to look far in, in Scripture. You don't have to look far in the lives of others to see how God intervenes and how God can help. God helps in a myriad of ways. There is hope. You don't have to walk through that dark valley alone. Gideon doubted himself. We, we can doubt ourselves. We doubt ourselves probably a, a lot of the time. He doubted God. He said, I, I am from the weakest clan, and I am the weakest of my clan. Who am I? He, he doubted his own ability, his own strength. He just had this self-perception that was very low. But when Gideon and the Israelites were in despair, Judges 6 demonstrates how God can intervene in some very helpful ways. And I want to lift these things up uh, for you and me as well so that it can help us to have an anchoring hope when we are in times of despair. First, he reminds Israel of what he has done for them in the past. When we are in a situation where we just, it, it just seems to all close in on us, it's a helpful thing to look at past circumstances and say, wait, wait I, we got through that. It was difficult, but, but we got through that. Or, or here's how I experienced God in that situation. Here's, here's a way that God intervened in that situation. Here's somebody that, it, that God sent into my life. And when we start to reflect on that, that can help us to see beyond our situation, to give us that ray of hope. Second, uh, God sent to the Israelites a prophet. He was sending Gideon. <laughs> Gideon, who, who thought, I'm, I'm the weakest among them. Who am I? When we are in times of despair, there are people that God can use to help us. Maybe it's those that are right around us, those that we sometimes take uh, for granted, those who love us most, family, friends, others who are right there. Or maybe it's a professional person, or maybe it's somebody else who's gone through a similar experience. Maybe it's our, uh, our, somebody in our small group or in our church family. God works through others. God encouraged Gideon to go in the strength that he had. This really caught my attention. He said to Gideon, go in the strength that you have. When we're feeling hopeless and weak, we may not recognize the strength that we have within ourselves. And yet God calls us to tap into that. God says, go in the strength that you have. You may find something that you don't see, that you didn't recognize is there. But God sees it in you. God, God says that strength is there. He doesn't, notice he doesn't say, you got to solve this on your own or suck it up. God doesn't say, you know, come on, be strong. He just says, go in the strength that you have. 
And we tap into the strength that we have within us. We may surprise ourselves at what we find and what can be created too. Finally, he announces to the Israelites that he will be with them. This may be the single most significant ray of hope in times of despair, to know that we are not alone, that others are there with us, and that God is with us too. Just as an anchor holds a ship and secures it in rough seas, so hope in God secures us to him even when we can't see it. Historian Charles Kennedy has explored the meaning of the anchor and its use within the early church. He found that it appears on many of the graves, the markers, for early Christians. You know, we think of a cross being there, but it was, it was an anchor often that would be on that. He points to the strong use of seals within the Jewish tradition as well as the Christian t- tradition. For example, when we baptize, we make the sign of the cross on the forehead of a person and say, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ. There, there is a naming and there is a sense of belonging. You are God's child. You, this is what this means for you. There is that seal placed upon a person. There is an expression used throughout the New Testament about being in the Lord. In Greek, um, the phrase in the Lord is in kario, in kario. And you will see that in various places. And in Greek, the word for anchor is enkaira, enkaira. Kennedy says, as he looks back in his exploration of early Christianity, he says, this is no accident. That the people that would have heard this would have connected those two things and, and recognized that to be in the Lord means to be in hope and in trust in God, means to have his seal placed upon your life, to belong to him and to belong to the hope of the resurrection, not just the resurrection of of the body after life, but to be resurrected to, to new life in Christ, in this life now, to have that living hope within you, that seal placed upon your life. That is the anchor, a symbol used for Christian hope, belonging, and being secure in Christ. And we have a faith that anchors us to something, or better yet, to someone solid and secure. Someone who knows us and loves us and holds us fast. Someone who helps us to weather the storms of life. Even when we may be in despair. Even when we may not have hope within us. Even when we may feel weak. Even when we may doubt. That anchor still holds. Christ holds on to us through the storm. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, uh, thank you that you are that which holds us and steadies us um, through times of difficulty, times of challenge, times when the storms of life um, are all around us, times when we despair. Lord, I pray especially for those who may be struggling themselves or those who, who worry about a loved one who is struggling with mental illness, depression, with um, being in that place of darkness and hopelessness. Lord, hold fast to them. Lord, that they may see and know that there is hope. That those rays of light may shine through, break through that darkness. Lord, hold fast to us, we pray in your name. Amen.